Hey everyone, and welcome to the House Conspiracy Podcast, a show about the house and on the house. I'm Jonathan O'Brien, and I'm the founding creative director at House Conspiracy. Today I'm talking to Rebecca Cheers, editor of Brisbane-based Wolfpack Zine. We go to uni together and we get along well, so this podcast where we talk about publishing, validation, ambition, and writing novels is nice. It's nice and it's also one of the longest ones we've done yet, and one of my favourites, because we actually got to talk about literature. Um, yeah, it's really, really good, really warm conversation. Um, so just some quick housekeeping. Uh, if you want to be a resident here at House Conspiracy, residency applications are open until April 10th at the moment for the four rounds that come after Anywhere Festival, which I think is round six, seven, eight, nine. Um, and if you um, are listening to this podcast right now, you should subscribe to us. Give us a review on iTunes. Um, and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at House Conspiracy. Um, our website is houseconspiracy.org and you can head to the same site slash donate or slash volunteer um, if you want to support us. And you can email us at house at houseconspiracy.org with anything from letters of support to things we could do better or things we could do to help you out. Now, on to the show. I love Rebecca's writing room for a few reasons. First off, there's a typewriter in there and I can't tell if it works or not. At least, there doesn't seem to be any evidence that would suggest so. Uh, there are tarot cards on the windows and the door has three options on it. Come in, knock first, and do not rouse from writerly trance. Today, knock first is ticked. On Rebecca's desk also is a teacup with a layer of mold I refuse to deal with, a batch of cookies that I believe she baked, and books by Anne Summers, Jack Lindsay, Lesbia Harford, and more. It's a whole pile. There's also a small bottle of Bombay Sapphire gin and a ream of this gorgeous tinted A4 paper. So actually, I guess the typewriter does work, or she's just doing some really beautiful sketches. If the description of this room doesn't tip you off, Rebecca cares about the tactile. She's a zine maker, and that appeals to the way she manages to be grassroots even in the most ambitious areas of her life. She's honest and good, and I'll let her take it from here. Now, Rebecca Chiz. And even just zines, because I, I also i am trying to hang on to the zininess, so I don't want to move in any directions that take it too far from zenery. So trying to strike this balance between zenery and putting out the thing I want and doing it cheaply but doing it well enough. And yeah. What is it about zines that make you want to stay attached to it? I like the community. I like the like low barrier to entry. Are we recording this now? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're recording. Oh shit. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is how it works. Is we oh, we just we just in. we just sit down and record and it just oh, happens. No. I don't usually talk publicly about how hard everything is. <laughs> shit. Alright. Um yes, the zine community is awesome. There's like a, a prioritizing of, of access and of um anybody being able to make stuff and get it out as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. But I also like to print it in color and pay my contributors and edit the pieces exhaustively, which is um, maybe not a typical zine approach. Um, no, you sort of skirt a line. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to... I recently read an article. It was shared by Sticky Institute, but I can't remember who wrote it about what constitutes zines and what doesn't. And it was very hard line 
and by that definition, which was like anti-copyright or just like handed out as cheaply and as easily as possible, reproduced as cheaply and easily as possible, um, no personal career agendas, like the Wolfpack definitely like skirts right on the edge of that. Um, but does that article actually hold any sway? Like, does that person... I mean, I think, I think it's a fair argument. I don't think it's necessarily the only argument. Like, arguments about what constitutes a zine are kind of boring, actually. Yeah, super boring. Because if you want to make yeah. something as cheaply as possible, <laughs> yeah. you would just photocopy it. Yeah. And it would be black and white, and every photocopy would lose quality. But, I mean, that's, that's a beautiful thing. A, a beautiful thing that I really appreciate. Um, also, as somebody who mostly personally deals in prose and text isn't too tragic sounding to me. No, that's true, but, but your zine is quite well, art. We publish a lot of art artists, and I have um, my part, my art partner is like the visual editor and handles the art, mm. and for the stuff she does to really hit, kind of needs to be in colour. Um, yeah, but I, I wouldn't necessarily want to take it to the point where I'm, I'm getting somebody else to print them for me, or they're, they're beyond stapled, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm calling a meeting about it, so I don't want to like. I don't want to really comment. You don't, you don't want to jump jump the cart in front of the horse. I need to make really serious, hard decisions about whether I can keep doing it along various lines, which is, I don't know. Are you an ambitious person? Um, I, I'm I'm intense in my aims, but they are. We know you're intense, but are you ambitious? But but they're like, yeah, I guess. I try to be ambitious in what I make in the like scope and intent of what I make. I think that's really important. I think you have to set out to make something that is kind of expansive in its vision for what it is. Otherwise, I'm not going to be happy with it. But I don't know if I'm like career ambitious. I, th I feel like that's kind of a, a question that can mean lots of things. Mm. I'm not... I don't know. I mostly just worry about if I am too ambitious or ambitious enough all the time. I don't really know how to answer that. Do you think about it a lot? I think about if I'm doing enough things. Um, I worry. I think I'm, I'm more interested in... I want to be able to... I mean, there are lots of things I want to do. Like, I would like to have my books published. Mm. I definitely have some academic interests that are becoming more prominent to me now. I want to be able to like participate in community building and you know be involved in events and 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 plan things and do things but um but I, I just really want to be able to maintain enough momentum that I'm enabled to do those things like but I also hate doing a lot of momentum generating activities does yeah. that make sense yeah yeah so you're 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 ambitious because if you are ambitious it means that you'll be able to do more cool shit yeah do the stuff that I want to do yeah and have it consumed on the kind of specific scope that I want. Like, I guess, in terms of being a writer, I'm not super feverish to write a bestseller. I'm really interested in, in location-specific community building and making art that speaks to where I am very specifically, which is a, <laughs> a why I, I have this... this um, this stance where I refuse to move out of Brisbane. Yeah. Very, very intense about my refuse to move out of Brisbane stance. Very prone to 
yelling about it if I have three drinks. Mm. <laughs> totally. I uh, I always petitioned for House Conspiracy's like slogan to be House Conspiracy never moved to Melbourne. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, how many? <laughs> Eventually, it's just going to be three people living here. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it could be nice. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Depends on the people. Sometimes yeah. someone goes to Melbourne and I'm like, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, totally. Enjoy, totally. enjoy, the, enjoy the weather. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at a certain point, people are like, I know you need to maintain a certain massive interesting art happening in a place. Even if that place sucks in some ways. Every place just, sucks in some ways. Yeah, right? you, can't let, you can't let all the artists trickle out of it. It's just, it'll just be a husk. Hmm. How do you, how do you, so you want to stay in Brisbane? Yeah. Although every time I say that, it's another nail in my coffin if I eventually move somewhere. Like if it gets too hot here and my, my my hair starts melting. Does your hair melt? No, but it could if it, like two more summers (laughs) from now and everyone's like, everyone's like getting on the bus to leave and I'm just like, the the oceans are rising and I can't leave because I said it so many times in podcasts that I wouldn't move. <laughs> yeah, how far up your legs does the ocean have to be <laughs> where you kind of bite the bullet? I don't know, like, if I can, if I can keep using a laptop, I guess that's the first thing <laughs> If they're floating debris, um, do I have a power pack? Yeah. Yeah, can you rest the power pack on the debris? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brisbane's sustainable beyond the, the end. Yeah. Um, speaking of laptop, uh, do you, your zine, I don't actually know if we brought up the name in the bit that we've been recording, but your zine is Wolfpack. Wolfpack. Um, Wolf with two O's. Yes. Um, because it's, it's in that sort of tradition of staunchly feminist. Yeah. I think, I think one of the reasonings, the, the name Wolfpack, somebody suggested the wolf joke to me. It was Lou, one of our early contributors who... Who brought up that idea and I think I came up with the pack bit but the, the part I like about that association is that we obviously like obviously it's a feminist scene obviously we produce feminist think pieces and stuff but mm. I really want to just have a space where feminine non-binary folk can just make kind of whatever they want to like there's no pressure for it to have utility necessarily so we publish a pretty broad range of stuff it's kind of a space making exercise um, and I think that's good because it means that we get a lot of like pretty diverse content. We get a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Um, you've got a heck of a community around it too. Yeah, it's really great. It, it's just, so we, we shifted. Originally, it was kind of a collective thing. So we would have a meeting and we would discuss content and then people would go make it. Mm-hmm. And it was whoever got invited to those meetings basically and we kind of let people in. But then we, we changed into an open submissions format and now people just submit to me which is really cool because I think we've had like two 16 year old contributors now. We've got contributors from like, I don't know, Perth, which is cool. That's cool. It's not that far away. I shouldn't say it like that. No, it's from, um, it's like it's shorter to fly to New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's so far away <laughs> and huge and scary um, and windy, but we, it's um, windy. yeah, okay. it's pretty windy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never been. Um, my, my best friend in high school moved there. So, you taking some Charlotte. visiting trips? Or? Yeah. yeah. Um, but we also had a contributor from London this time, which I don't think is... I mean, technically, it was we said it was Australian artists, but I think we just... I mean, the cool thing is that nobody cares what I do. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm my own boss. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've been able to tap other networks now, which is really cool. 
means we're getting lots of interesting submissions. It also means that I'm turning stuff down, which is interesting. Um, but it's good. It means that we can mm. pick what we like. How many submissions are you getting? And like sort of what percentage are you accepting? Is this something you want to say publicly? I can understand it. No, I mean, it's cool. I mean, last time we got... It was like a lot for us. I want to say maybe like 26 submissions mm. or something like that. Um, lots of poetry. Poets yeah. are so ready. Oh, there's not many <laughs> outlets, right? Yeah. And the outlets that there are are so high up. Like there's no... Yes. There are many emerging poetry. Yeah, it's just like straight to Cordite. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's the only one I can think of is Cordite. Very few publishing out of Queensland specifically. Tundish Review just started. Yeah. Right? yeah. And we had... Nice. I'm pretty, oh, God. Kate, Caitlin Goyan? Mm. Like, yeah, she had a poem in Wolfpack. Oh, there you go. So yeah, um, I couldn't go to that that launch because I had a Wolfpack related event. <laughs> oh, that makes um, sense. No, it was, but yeah, but it was nice. You can see it's starting to start up, but there was a while there where there weren't so many. I'm not a poet, but that's what poets are telling me. Yeah, I'm not a poet either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they, they talk about it. But they're always right. They're just like, here's a sheaf of poems. Just, yeah. Um, and I mean, the thing about getting submissions and having to turn people down we're in a nice position where it's really obvious that I am printing this thing in my house typically and it's self-funded. So nobody's mad if you can't take their stuff. They understand that you can only take so many things before you bankrupt yourself. Right, you, can, you can only make a zine so thick. Yeah, um, so, so that's comforting because it's obviously a difficult thing to get used to, turning down work. But yes. it's yeah. just I have a really good excuse, <laughs> which is great. Yeah, and I have really good help on it. Is it hard? No. Like rejection emails? No, I don't actually find it that hard. Maybe I did it first. It's kind of contradictory, isn't it? I think it, if it would, it, maybe it would feel harder if I didn't feel like I had that really good excuse. Mm. Um, yeah, you only have so much space. Yeah. Yeah. But I really like all of the editing things, though. Mm -hmm. I I love functioning. I mean, that's one of the reasons why anytime I think about not making that zine anymore, <laughs> alarms go off in my head because it's one of my favorite things to do. That part of it's really amazing. What are the hardest parts? All the hardest parts of making the zine are printing related and trying to email people related. Oh my Those God, Those are all emails. the problems. And sometimes like events, maybe. Um, my relationship to events is, it depends on what it is. But um, yeah, just trying to round people up um, to get information, just like logistical stuff is really hard. And then just printing the thing, which is almost impossible. That's going to be, we're going to have to think really hard about that moving forward. How many printers have you gone through? Um, okay. Well, I have, I, th I have three in my house. Uh -huh. I used to run two at once. And then we had a winter where my house is like a, an anthill, basically. It's like a house shaped anthill. And all the ants do this thing where when it gets cold, they just seek out heat. So they, they all nested in my printer, yeah, my sister's printer, um, which all th the same kind of printer, and they were all full of ants. And you can see them under the scanner bed. Um, really creepy. I hate this image. And Could like, you scan them? Um, Did you scan them? I tried. <laughs> it was just kind of like speckles. It's on Facebook. Because okay. I went on Facebook like, shit, there's ants in my printer. And I posted the scan. <laughs> um, and then getting them out of the printers involved, putting the printers on chairs and putting things of water under each chair leg so the ants couldn't go anywhere. Um, and then just more, waiting more for them to fall out. 
Oh. Yeah, because like they gotta go away. Like they gotta get food and stuff. It's a printer. What are they gonna eat? I guess I don't know anything about ants. It I works think, more or what less. What would ants eat in a printer? Uh, yeah, I, I Why think. Why do that? There's like all this white stuff in there too. I don't know what they're doing. I guess I don't know if that's like ants. Oh, the white stuffs are eggs. Yeah. 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 Oh, so many. Um, so many. And then there was ones. a point where the the ants were still managing to get around the leg in the water thing, and I wonder if like the dead ants on the water they were like using them as a bridge. Yeah. Dude, the hive mind. They're really, and so they're gonna eat me in my sleep, but no one's ever gonna find me. Um, and then so I bought a new printer, and the problem with the new printer, stop me if I talk about this for too long. No, dude, I asked the question. <laughs> okay. I deal with this. <laughs> so the new printer is a different kind of printer, and I can't remember the word, but it's got way bigger cartridges. It's like big ass laser printer. Like a brother? Yeah. Well, yeah. they're all brothers, but it's, it's a. I think it's a laser. Well, your printer. friends are brothers. All For people who don't know brothers. about brands, that's a really weird sentence. But anyway, all go my on. shit little brothers. Because <laughs> um, one of them now doesn't scan, but prints okay, and one of them just jams endlessly. It's always gonna jam. There must be ants in it still. I don't know. Little ant bodies. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but the new printer, so it's got these giant cartridges, and it's supposed to print a gazillion pages per cartridge, but they're really expensive. And so I bought this printer, and it prints really nice, and it prints really fast. And then the cartridges lasted way less long than I thought. Yeah, so it oh, got to yeah, the point yeah. where I like. Was it a laser? Yeah. Yeah, they'll fuck you. They're terrible. So I, I, I blew like. They like, look good though. Like overdrew my account to get ink, thinking this is gonna cover the rest of the run. This is gonna be fine. And it printed like maybe nine zines, and then it was done. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then that was just heck because I was going into state. We were launching a festival, the photocopier. So I needed to have some stuff. Mm. And uh, yeah, and that was just your sort of twice yearly zine panic. It happens to everyone, but it's just because there are so many contributors. Like I think we had like maybe 14 or 15 contributors in the end, this issue, and you don't wanna, you don't wanna fuck them, and you don't wanna go into state with nine zines. No. It's, it's very stressful. How many do you print? I mean, I guess we try to do maybe like 50. Mm-hmm. if we're going somewhere um, and then we'll print more again we typically also put up a PDF copy that people can just look yeah, at yeah I've, I've I confess which, I've only ever read the PDF that's copy that's cool you know it happens I don't, think I've, I don't think I've ever managed to make it to one of your events I almost no. made, made it to one where a friend of mine had done art Janice and Gilders oh yeah Jam was in yeah couple issues issue. ago or the most recent one I'm gonna say six I think she was in issue six it was you just did the, seven earlier this year? Is yeah. that right? Yeah. It was ever the first one where we opened submissions was. She was one of the first. Um, and I think we launched at Junkie. Yeah, and we, we usually stock at Junkie too, although I haven't given them any in ages because I'm a dick. I have to go in there. Um, it's hard. Cause I, I think putting up the PDF for free is good because we're so sketchy distributing it. So that way at least people can get their hands on it. Um, I think that's good practice. I think it balances out us having to charge slightly more for the zine because it's difficult to print. It's still open access. And then there's like a PayPal button, so if people want to give us money, that's fine. <laughs> we love we love money. Money is nice. Um, Do you, you were talking about um, how you like the idea of the local community, but you also like the idea of accessibility. Do you think mm-hmm. the internet has sort of reframed the idea of what accessibility means, particularly where sort of art and community is concerned? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God. It's a broad question. What am I going to say? Yeah. 
I think it's cool. I think it, it's definitely allowed for a level of organization and making something like a collaborative zine that wouldn't be possible without Facebook because everyone has their own stuff. Getting people into a room is incredibly difficult. That's what I've learned. It's very hard to get everyone in the same room. Art is so hustly. <laughs> people, are, people are hustling along so many axes. Um, it can be hard to get them all together. kind of freaks me out art on the internet sometimes it kind of it kind of freaks me out because like I, I worry about how everything that I organize and promote and and like um all the networking and, and bringing people together it's it's all on like Facebook mm. it's all on Facebook all the time yep yeah, and so you weird. have to be on there as a professional now yeah that's okay because it's like the one social media thing I can stomach I can only do one at a time I'm really terrible with it but it's like, it's like, because sometimes we think of, we start to think of social media platforms as like these like neutral platforms or like public services. It freaks me out because they're definitely like companies. They're 100% definitely companies. Yeah. Look at what's happening with like YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's real bad. It's real not good. And even like with Instagram stuff. Oh yeah, like the free the nipple stuff and whatnot. Yeah. And it's, it's not even, it's not even just that um, companies have an agenda and we forget the companies have an agenda because it's so omnipresent and everyone uses it and it starts to feel like like a, a big like oval where everyone's hanging out but it's a very specific thing owned by people um, but they're also massive and their mechanisms are so opaque yeah I read this amazing I think it was a Wired article once I'm always linking it to people about a an outsourced um, kind of social media content management operation that was in the Philippines, I think, in the article. Mm -hmm. And so it's an outsourcing of determining what is and isn't appropriate content for like things like Facebook. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that'll be carried out um, in these like outsourced operations and you'll have people, often contractors, often with super low job security, um, who, who think they're like getting a job with Google, um, will be like just tearing through content all day trying to figure out if it's okay or not or if to screen it or not and the article was really good because it focused on lots of things like the the really difficult aspect of the work the trauma inherent in the work because of some of the things you're seeing and the repetitive nature of it and also the dicey working conditions but it's also just that like we talk about things like um like say misogynist standards of, of content handling on things like instagram but they're not being handled by like one person with clear intent. They're being handled by this like super complicated and dicey mm. and messy um, system, often by people who live in like different countries to where the material is being generated, and they're trying to tap into the cultural norms of the people who are posting it to figure out if it's okay or not. Like, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's almost like more complicated, more complicated and less complicated than people think it is. Um, yeah, and all of our art's going through it, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah, it's that idea of like um, discourse being limited mm. by the context in which it exists. Mm -hmm. But it's also a, it's still it's still a platform that is like the internet in general is allowing for massive self replication and it's changing the way things work. But it's also bringing these challenges in as well. It's kind of complicated. Mm. It's yeah. never just one or the other thing. No, 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 no. It's always somewhere in the middle of the spectrum, right? Deconstructing binaries. Mm. <laughs> and I was just thinking when I was saying that, that I love print media so much. 
which feels kind of dumb in 2017. Not I that mean, it's like losing steam. It Everyone thought that it was going to die, and uh, it's still fine. But it's, it's fine-ish. Fine-ish. I would, by the standards, like by the standards, that anything's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think I think yeah. I mean, newspapers are fucked. Yeah, that's true. But people are still buying books. Sort book of, sales are going know? up in independent bookstores hugely. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like I was just thinking, because it's way simpler, because you don't have to deal with any of that. But that's bullshit. It's this. This is a completely different set of gates you gotta, and you keepers. Go and... outside. Yeah. <laughs> you have to use Twitter <laughs> anyway. You, you get a book published. God, you so have to use Twitter. Why is that? Why do you think there's this there's this sort of necessitating within the Australian literature landscape that you have to have a damn Twitter? God, I don't even know. If I use Twitter, I could probably give you a better answer. I it's use, I use it for a brief period. It was like, yeah, I, I saw like a, a politician talking about how you've got to show up, but like it's your freaking nine to five on Twitter if you want to get anywhere. It's the same. It seems to just be the the buzz generating tool of choice. You don't use it for tweeting. Do you, do you read Twitter? Do you check people's Twitter? I, mean, you... I, I did briefly when I was using it yeah. for, like, for like two months. I'm really bad for that. I'll start using a social media um, app and then I'll just stop. I did that with Instagram recently, although I've started using it again as a part of this. But as I've part got... of Wolfpack? No, as a part of House oh, Conspiracy. House Conspiracy. So I was like, I've got to document shit. I'll just use... Um, but I think I posted like two photos <laughs> so <laughs> of nothing. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> pretty much it. It's, I'm a writer. Um, it's a little bit more. It's a bit ephemeral in terms of using Instagram. Maybe that's why I picked it, so I wouldn't have to do much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna Instagram like a word document, although you could. I could. I've probably done that. I don't have Instagram, but I've seen people just post screen caps of words. On I've Instagram, seen. And I've I, seen that I fucking well. love that because on my phone, at the end of the year, I always go through and find all the things from books that I took photos of on my phone. Mm. It's really good fun. Did you actually exit Twitter? No, no, I'm still on it. Uh, Every now and then I'll drag myself onto it. It's it's awful. Sorry, I'm looking I'm looking up your Twitter. I'm gonna oh, see. yeah. yeah that I can't way. even remember what... Oh, I think I, I went on a couple of, like, the Twitter Express. rants, maybe. Yeah, I've been on a few Twitter rants. Um, what, did you, what did you tweet? I went on one about Luke Cage. Like the show? The TV show. Oh, yeah, your last tweet is that Wolfpack... Wolfpack 8 has opened for submissions. Oh, Christ, was it 8? Oh, no. Did we just make eight? I thought it was seven. I thought you just made seven too, but I think it was eight. Did I just, did I say eight? Because somebody did send me a rant. Every now and then somebody sends me a submission for no reason, like when submissions aren't open. Yeah, people do that. I hope I didn't say. I, you know, I'm thinking right now and I cannot remember what number we just put out. Um, That's so sad. I think you lied in your tweet. Maybe. I think... I was probably exhausted if I was using Twitter. I was no, in a weakened state. But then it says it says that your most recent issue... Is, you know what? Let's not. Let's not fact check Rebecca no, Cheers yeah, on this podcast. Don't look at my Twitter. Here's, here's, here's what I think. Twitter's bad. You're good. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I've won. Um, so I... you're... Yeah, you've won. You've won. Yeah. You won in the battle against Twitter. <laughs> um... <laughs> Wow, good. What a dramatic podcast. Yeah. Um, hey, so shifting away from sort of your role sort of as a publisher. Um, yeah, right? I'm going to yeah. call you that. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to label you. Um, shifting away from that, you're a writer as well. Yes. And you're a writer of fiction and essays. Yeah. And plays. Yeah, you know, recently. Um, giving that a shot. But mostly, mostly the words on the page. Yeah. 
Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to keep going. No. Yes. Right. <laughs> I um, wasn't sure. Oh, I no. was about to just list off tell the kinds of things I've written, but that's yeah. boring. No, no, no. Tell me, what are you things. working on right now that you're most excited about? Oh, you know, I got a manuscript assessment in an email today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm, so I've, I've, got, I've got a novel draft cooking. Um, and getting... Is the draft done? Well, I mean, yeah, it's a completed draft, but it's mm-hmm. been through a couple of le- levels of... I, I wrote it out by hand. You have hand. a fellowship for this, don't you? I had, I had a mentorship, mentorship. Um, through, it was the Queensland Writers' Centre, um, Olva Wood, LGBT, I think they said LGBTI, I'll use the one they used. Um, yeah, mentorship with Inga Simpson, who is a, a novelist who came out of QUT, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. She got a PhD there, at least, I believe. Um, and yeah, she, she runs uh, like a... a mentorship writers retreat retreat company so she kind of donated it to queensland writers center which is amazing and that was really cool so that was kind of like a kind of like a free free edit mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing she read the whole thing um how long is it it's not long at all it's like thirty-eight thousand words lovely um it needs to be it needs to be pushed around it's been i, I kind of so i wrote it and then I, I rewrote it a bunch of times and then i did that mentorship and a lot of the advice I did a lot of like line level stuff to the draft at that mm-hmm. point, but I, I still needed like, you know, when you write something, you just, you're so close. You just don't freaking even know what it is. Oh yeah. It's just, it's just letters yeah. at that point. Um, or it's also just, it's, it's, it's a novel with a very small scope and a couple of characters and it's set in a real place that I spent some of my childhood in. Um, and North so side, right? yeah, Nanda, I lived there briefly and it's just like this super closed circuit in my brain now. It, it almost just feels like stuff that happened. And it's really difficult to approach it from like a structural editing perspective. So I, I got this manuscript assessment so I could try to get a sense of what direction I can push it in. Because it's very generically confused, which I know if I'm gonna try to get it published is gonna be a problem. I need to nudge it in a direction and I don't know what. That's nudge it in a direction because you feel like it needs to be nudged or like for, your, for the sake of it being good or for the sake of it getting published? I mean both, definitely both. Yeah. It's a little bit undercooked. Okay. Um, but it's got to ask one thing that I, I, I set out I like to set out to rip off a couple of things I like that's always a good yeah, place to start yeah what's your elevator pitch and then yeah I mean I used to describe it as what did I used to say it was like I, I, I ripped off this one Douglas Adam novel I'm really obsessed with called Duck Gently mm-hmm. um, which recently had a Netflix show which was actually really good was it um, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start talking about that because I'll never shut up because um, I have a lot of really complicated thoughts about it. Oh. Um, I, I've tried to rip that off structurally because that book has a really cool structure. Um, and I also like the way Douglas Adams has this very detached third person, um, almost like narrator persona, yeah. which is not a very popular thing. I'm learning that um, through doing a BFA right now. Not very popular in terms of like what people read? In terms of current like novel writing practices. God, Pe- good, people though. are very like... Right in first person, you'll feel like you're at the head of the character. No, I don't listen to I those people. No, I, I firmly disagree. No, those people are bad people. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's delightful to some. I just don't like writing that way. Um, and Why not? Uh, I like, I don't know. I, I find like trying try to write, trying to set out to write something as realistic as possible in the hopes that people will connect to it because it's super realistic. That idea of what realistic is 
Yeah, it's like it's like how people thought if they made video games look more and more real, yeah, we'd like them more, yeah. and it's just not true. No, not at all, because that's not what people connect to. And I really like introducing weird formal restraints mm. in my writing, and then working backwards from it. What sort of restraints? Well, okay, so um, I I wanted to write a novel that is a third person, which has mm-hmm. a clear narrator presence, whether or not it turns out to be a character, and that's been some of the feedback I've gotten. I think I might tweak that a little. You think it will turn out to be a character, or? Well, there's kind of. There's some sort of characters. Yeah. Because it's sort of magical realism, right? Yeah. I think that may have been a poor description. But yeah, it's got some... Surreal. Surreal? Surreal. Surreal is good. I feel like magical realism is not only a distinct genre, but one that I have a basic understanding of, and I'm really worried about saying that. But it has some sort of low-key, like a... um, Kind of like magic-y, but sort of nebulously actually paranormal stuff in it. Um, But yeah, so I wanted to write... I also wanted to write a, a book that was a little bit unstable in terms of its protagonists. I really like books that sort of decentralize the protagonist. I mean, Virginia Woolf is a really good example. Great example. Um, I'm obsessed with that. Um, to the lighthouse. I, th- I thought about, I, I really like Mrs. Dalloway. I thought about Mrs. Dalloway a bit. I, I'm, I could just spend the rest of my life contemplating Mrs. Dalloway and be really happy. <laughs> um, and I also, the, the thing that I took from Dirk Gently was that it has a really interesting um, structure where narrative questions are being raised and solved in this sort of overlapping pattern. So there are all these little mysteries, um, little mysteries that, that kind of like pop up and then are resolved, and then another one's already in the works, and then several of them turn out to be related. I think it's a marvelous structure. I tried to work with that. And um, I also, <laughs> there, there's some like, uh, <laughs> a character, this is where it gets really generically confusing because there's, there's a difference between doing something um, interesting and doing something that is just signaling that it's going to be generic but is then unsatisfying. Like, I yeah. understand that. Um, but one of the characters is this kind of, like, ad hoc private detective. Because I'm really obsessed with Raymond Chandler novels. Okay. Specifically Raymond Chandler. Any kind of, like, mid-century hard-boiled, I, I'm really, I really enjoy. Chandler was probably the best. Yeah. Well, in terms of the, the, the PI stuff, definitely. Yeah. I'm also really obsessed with certain James M. Kane novels. Um, especially Mildred Pierce. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Raymond Chandler, and I think that his books are just the absolute most captivating depiction of loneliness ever. I'm really interested in, in, in portraying loneliness which is weird because it's sometimes kind of boring. It's hard to write about, interestingly or evocatively. Um, and I really like the way that um, I, I think that any kind of PI story is is perfect. There's all of this, all of this. Uh, even though his books are quite action packed, there are all of these parts where you, you see Philip Marlowe is going to be like, "Yeah, cool." So I did this detective thing, and then I went to the deli and I had a sandwich, and then I walked around for a bit trying to kill some time, and then I went home, then I had a whiskey. I made some tea, and there's all this like, all this dead time that you get when you're a really lonely person. Mm. Yeah, um, so <laughs> so I tried to rip off some things from Raymond Chandler, and it's kind of a it's kind of a weird mix. I'm also really interested in applying some of the kind of stuff he did to female characters. Yeah, because obviously there's a super doodly books. So doodly. The thing His is, name was fucking Raymond Chandler. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm I'm just like a little bit miffed because Jessica Jones I I haven't read the Jessica Jones comics or anything but that oh Jessica Jones yeah the Sorry. TV show if you said out. Jasper Jones which oh, would no. also be <laughs> that movie came out and it kind of did a whole bunch of the stuff that I've been thinking about doing Jasper Jones no sorry Jessica Jones I called it a movie Netflix's Jessica Jones yeah Netflix's TV yeah. show ten part yes did you like it yeah I did and it's really hard to make me care about a Marvel property yeah well. I, 
I'm quite violently allergic to superheroes now. I, it, it's kind of like when zombies hit critical mass and it, to make me care about something that had zombies in it. It had, yeah, basically yeah. had to have a full frontal um, Killian Murphy nudity, which is how 28 Days Later pulled it off. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really hard to make me care about superhero stuff. But then the show came along and just did a whole bunch of stuff that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, I think that certain aspects of PI fiction are really, really great for exploring other things and specifically like social relationships and kind of like the idea of like a, a social noir or a noir of relationships is exactly what Jessica Jones did. And I, I think about that a lot and then it just came out and did it and that was crazy. Um, but yeah, so basically there's some like Raymond Chandler tropes shoved in and then there's some like Douglas Adams-y stuff and then there's also this like quite social realist story bubbling underneath it. And it's just really weird. It's a really weird, really weird manuscript. Kind of a melting pot. Yeah. I really haven't spoken about it publicly before. This is, this is weird in itself. Okay, this is uh, the Rebecca Cheers book announcement yeah. and <laughs> airing of grievances podcast. You know, the thing I realized today is that I'm probably going to have to, I think it might be a YA book. You reckon? Yeah. How do you feel about that? Well, I don't know. I'm having this really weird resistance to it. I don't know why. I'm 25. You can write YA. Yeah. But it's it's explicitly about like... What age group is it about? It is about 19 and 20 year olds in that sort of lost couple of years after high school, Mm -hmm. especially if you drop out of university, which I did initially. and Good choice, by the way. Yeah. Well, no, I mean that. It turned out, yeah. No, no, I mean that. Very happy about it. and just that sort of that sort of specific period, it has. I think there is a, a an expectation of genre fluidity in YA that I don't know if there is as much in other in other sort of publishing streams. And I think I I think I, I just had my friend read the manuscript, and, and she said when she was thinking about where it would be in the bookstore, she thinks it would be in the YA section. And huh. I I don't know what my barrier is. I think it's just that I don't really read YA personally. I feel a bit shifty trying to write something. But I you're not trying read. to write it, right? It's just happened. Yeah, it's just happened. I don't want to like. I'm not trying to throw shade. Like, why is amazing and it's obviously a kind of book that people buy, which doesn't hurt. Yeah, um, it, yeah, it's just been saturated <laughs> by crap, essentially. But I'm just having all these like these these freakouts. Like, can I can they say fuck in a YA novel? Because everyone's always saying fuck, and also it's like super gay. That's, that's, that's okay in YA now. People are cool with that. But it's well, rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing that rhymes is ever untrue. Huh. But <laughs> I think that might be what it is. I don't know. I'm going to have to sit down and think about it and probably do lots more work. Lots more work. Do you think a lot about that? Like what boxes something fits in rather than just what it is authentically? Yeah, I think I probably do, hey. <laughs> I don't know. How do you well, I just, I just didn't really set out to... It's something that's been hammered into me quite a lot, just that knowing where your book fits in a, in a sort of like genre spectrum is going to be important down the road. Mm. But it's not something I thought about when I wrote it at all. No. And it's something I'm trying to like just retrofit just a little. Because I definitely I want to get it published. Yeah, be I, nice I would like to be published. It's nice you know? to have a book on a shelf. And I want to write something that I feel is publication quality. That's really important to me. Um, there's something that happens. I had this really, I went to this really great lecture. I can't remember what subject it was in, so I don't know if you were there. Philip Nielsen <laughs> took it. Look, if it was a lecture, I haven't been. Probably not. <laughs> it was, I, think it, I think it was actually a novel and, and memoir. Oh, but, no, I haven't been to any of those yet. Yeah. Good subject. 
but there was a lecture about um, the use of writing in art therapy. So specifically writing in therapy, not just like painting as well, or whatever else. <laughs> that was pretty narrow. Um, but talking about how there, there's a, an appeal to writing in therapy that is different from any other kind of art because some, the benefit can come not just from disclosure and like a sort of a confessional aspect, but from narrativizing something and then polishing it and then releasing it. And I have found that to be true in my own life. Some of my earlier writing experiences were more of a sort of like upsetting confessional memoir, which isn't something that I really do anymore, but it had a really tremendous personal effect. There's just something about putting what I've written out. But I do seem to crave the approval of, of mainstream publishing streams. I don't really know why. I don't really want to self-publish it. No, well, that's there's no... The thing with, I find, with the appeal for mainstream publishing is that there's a certain guarantee that people are going to read it. Mm. And there's also a well, certain... Well, someone's going to. Someone's yeah. going to. And there's also the guarantee of professional editorship. Yeah. And, you know, copy editing, mm. <laughs> checking for type. Like, there's nothing worse than, like, when you pick up, a, like, a lip mag that has very clearly been published at the 11th hour, and you're like, oh, 12. 12 spelling mistakes this time. <laughs> Or an issue of Wolfpack. There are a couple that will always haunt me. Oh, look, I, I think you look at Reader's Digest, or who reads that? <laughs> you, <laughs> I mean, do you? You, you, look at, you look at the New Yorker, that's better. Right. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why I went to, Anyway, um, you look at the New Yorker, and there's spelling mistakes in there. Not many, but there's mm. a couple ty- typos here and there. That's very comforting. I'm going to remember that next time. Yeah, remember that. Even the New Yorker sucks. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. It's super hard. Copy editors are amazing. Yeah. You're good at the jobs. They gotta make the text look nice and work. Mm. I also can't. I can't like promote my own book. I don't have like Amazon hustle. It's not gonna happen. No, I feel like you have to be American. Oh yeah. I think Actually, so. my mum is a self-published writer, and she's done a really good job. Huh. She. she you should hire your mom. Maybe. She she is like hustle queen of hustle town. <laughs> I don't know how she does it. I couldn't do it. I need someone. I need to I need to be not so much of like a scary cotton candy head like cave dweller that a publisher will talk to me but right. I also don't really want to like promote my own stuff. I can't handle any of that. How do you do it with Wolfpack? Is it easier cuz it is called Wolfpack and not called Rebecca's Cheerpack? Yes. <laughs> Rebecca's Cheerpack? I meant Rebecca Cheers pack. <laughs> That's great. Um yeah, I know what like the success of the Wolfpack is going to be called. Yeah, That's... Rebecca Cheers Cheers pack. Oh, beautiful. Um, but yes, promoting the work of others is very different. That feels tremendous. Mm. That's fine. And also, I barely put anything in Wolfpack anymore. Of your own? Yeah, I used to put stuff You do in. an editorial? Uh, oh, no, I do like, yeah, like a letter from the editor style thing usually, but it's not, um, I hate writing them and it's not super complicated. Why do you hate writing them? I don't know. I feel like it always comes out really cheesy. Because <laughs> I'll just be like, hey, write, making this thing was great. Everyone's cool. And it comes out like, I'm doing like a jerk off mime. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. yeah, it's an audio podcast, it's a podcast. People can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I also, I don't know. I wouldn't read it if it were me. You wouldn't? <laughs> no, I would. <laughs> I would. I was like, whoa. I read everything, I promise. If I, if I read your journal, I read everything. Well, I mean, I think you, you have to be making something that you'd read, right? Yes. But you don't read YA. No. But your book is kind of coming I mean, out that way. So do you I, really think it is YA or you just someone just telling you lies? But my reading habits are kind of... I mean, I don't read a lot of... 
I'm kind of erratic in my reading. I don't yeah. know how many new releases I read anyway. What are you reading right now? Uh, oh, right now, actually, I'm reading a book called The Pledges of Conquest, mm-hmm. which is one of the... I'm going to get this hashtag wrong because it's on in front of me. It's one of the Read Asian Oz books. Okay. So um, there's a, a new journal called Penciled In. Yeah, that has, Yeah, they've started this thing um, where they, they put stickers on books by Australian Asian writers and then... You, they get you to review them and then just keep distributing them. It's really cool. And that book is awesome. Really cool. It's just like super brutal. Are they literally putting stickers on in the bookstores or uh, just like tweeting? No. Like at the Penciled In launch, they did it over at Mouse and they had a big table full of them. Oh, cool. Um, so they already have them. And the idea is that I think you either give it back or you just leave it somewhere. It's kind mm. of a pay it forward. Um, sort of model. Yeah. So that's what I'm reading right now. But I tend to either reread things over and over and over, um, things that I've been reading for ages, or I'll, I read a lot of like older stuff. So like lots of books I like were written for children or young adults, like Anne of Green Gables, which I read like every six months. Is that a kids book? Yeah, I read it when I was in year three. Cute. Yeah, um, totally a kids book and amazing. And I, I think I've mouthed off about it in two tutorials last week. Mouthed off in what way? Um, in a in a good way. In like, oh, a, okay. but just like not never shutting up. I'm trying to explain why it's amazing. So I definitely like books that are for kids. I just I'm not very. I don't really have my finger on the pulse of YA. That's fine. Yeah. What matters is you have the finger on the pulse of your own your own work, right? Yes, and also I used to read YA when I was in high school. Yeah. I liked reading YA that was Australian and like. Mm about being a kid in Australia, which I guess is kind of what mine is like. It just has, like, a ghost cat in it. And a a an ghost ad- cat? Yeah, and an oh. ad hoc detective agency. <laughs> yeah. So it is a weird book. No, it's definitely a weird book. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's super dumb. It's just, like, a really weird, unlikely um, combination of things. And I just have to make a real book out of it and massage it and make it probably longer. Shifting away, sort of, from specifics yes. and whatnot... Um, not because I'm bored, but because uh, I don't want I don't want you to like you know give us the whole smark notes yes. before it's published. Um, but was that a sigh of like the dream? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hope something comes out of it. I've done so much stuff. I know. It was, it was hard. How long did it take? Well, I, I wrote it by hand first. Yeah, that's and then cool. I typed it up, mm-hmm. which is really great because that's it, a great way to just self edit as you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I probably gone through it maybe twice. I probably started about two years ago wow so yeah took a while I don't know how people write super long novels people write like 1,000 sorry 120,000 word novels yeah that's bonkers to me I had a friend who wrote one and I read it for him and like fuck off see I wrote one that was 85 oh my god that's so many it was terrible it was very bad (laughs) I read it when I was 17 oh it was my foray into YA oh that's beautiful no I can't, this is, I see, now I'm saying shit publicly that I shouldn't be. No, but that's amazing. I got re, I got started really late. I know I didn't really get started really late, but by my standards, I got started really late. Hearing that is really cool. Nah, but in terms of how ambitious you are, that makes yeah. sense. In terms of oh. why you'd think of being late. And I'm going to call you ambitious because I think you are, but okay. not, not in a destructive way. I think I'm ambitious way. in a specific way. Yeah, in a good way. In the way, my, my, uh, this guy, John Daniel from a band that I like, he used to have this amazing music blog called Last Plane to Jakarta. Mm. Um, and Lovely he, title. Yeah, and he wrote a series on Radiohead's Amnesiac. Mm. Lovely album. Yes. No, it's really good. I recommend it strongly. 
he, he broke it down song by song, but he was talking about the way that ambitions, ambition, ambition, ambition um, makes the difference between something really mediocre and something really great. Um, the difference between a hobby and something tremendous. You can really hear it. You can really hear it if somebody's had ambition in something. Mm, especially, yeah. Music's definitely the most visceral one yeah. where you can pick it up. Mm. Um, but it's in everything. Yeah. I think I had that kind of ambition. It's mm. just a matter of translating it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's not a competitive ambition. It's a constructive ambition. Yeah, that's a really nice way of putting it. Yeah, that's how it comes across. Um, good. Yeah, good, good. Thank fuck. Um, <laughs> in terms of being a writer, mm-hmm. being a young writer, how is that? <laughs> oh, man. I, it's, just a, it's just like a constant... There's, okay, in season seven of Buffy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this episode called Conversations with Dead People where Buffy um, is, uh, goes out to slay a freshly minted vampire. Minted vampire. For sure. Um, Sired <laughs> vampire. Uh, and he went to high school with her and he was like a psych grad. And so they have a fight, but they also have this really deep conversation about Buffy's um, psychological situation. He talks about how she has an inferiority superiority complex. Man, Buffy was the like, best. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> no, but this is like resonated with me so much where she like she thinks she's better than everyone, but she also hates herself for it and thus thinks she's worse than everybody because of it. And that's exactly what being a young writer is like. Because I constantly feel like I'm not doing enough stuff. And I get really freaked out about it. But then if I do something and it makes me feel good, then I'm just intolerable for like two days afterwards it's super highs and lowsy yeah because it's a roller coaster and there's no clear career path right yes um is that exciting or is that anxious for you no i don't mind that but i do worry about i don't know what i want to say about this i have very specific levels of social energy mm. and it kind of seems like when I look around at peers or people that I'm really impressed with, the amount of stuff that they're able to sustain doesn't seem possible to me. Like the, the festivals and the, um, the level of publication they're maintaining and the amount of networking and the, the friend making. I just don't feel like I can do any of that. And so it becomes, I, I don't know if there's like a path for me or if I have to just try to get better at that stuff. Because I look back at the number of things I've managed to do career-wise, and I'm pretty happy with them. But I'm looking forward, and I don't know how I'm going to even sustain that level. It's just... It's shocking how social you have to be. Mm. You're an introvert. I, I mean, I wouldn't even say that, necessarily. It's more that I'm becoming increasingly socially averse. It's a bit of a problem. Um, but maybe that does cover it. Like, averse as in you fear it, or averse as in it exhausts you? <laughs> definitely um if i if i try to socialize too much i will burn out yeah but also it seems like something's changed i used to consider myself kind of an extrovert in that i seem to require socializing as like a source of energy mm. but that that doesn't seem to be the case anymore and i'm finding that the number of friends i want to have is reducing the number of places I want to go and things that I want to do like I think I could just sit in a room and write or read or think about stuff and not leave for like 10 years and be pretty happy at this point usually um 
And I'm finding it difficult to sustain energy over things like festivals is a really good example. Um, or any kind of social thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's weird, right? Because the archetypal, quote unquote, um, writer throughout history has seemingly been an introvert. Mm. And yet... I mean, how, how, how true can that be? <laughs> I don't know. I know that I buy it. You don't reckon? No. And it's weird, too, because I really value, like, community building stuff. Like, I, I, like things with Wolfpack. I value being able to build a creative community that supports each other and have it be accessible and have it enrich the place where you are. But I'm also finding it increasingly difficult to do any of that stuff. It's weird. Um, but I can also... It, my work suffers from it. I think, I think not talking through my ideas with people or engaging with the literary community, I mean, I think that makes things better. I think I'd be better off if I could do that stuff. I'm starting to worry about that. About whether recently. you're engaging with other people with your ideas enough or? Yes. Um, especially with a couple of things I've attempted recently, like short form things, where I feel like I've written something that doesn't really connect well with what people are doing and reading and in terms of short stories no I don't really write short stories what do you mean like short essays. Oh, uh, I mean I, I made a zine recently that I wasn't super happy with like a was that your zine. personal zine it, it, it was a um, it was a music zine mm -hmm. um, and I also like I had like a I had like a knockback from a journal recently that I felt kind of hard um, but not because I thought it was unfair because I I think the piece is good no no because I think it really missed what I was trying to do um, I can really like I can really withdraw from the world and engage specifically with the things that I enjoy and think are really interesting so much like I can't just read the same book over and over and obsess over how it does what it does which is what I often do and it puts me in the position where if I want to do something like write an essay about a film which is the thing that got knocked back I can't do this thing where I write about a film that came out recently enough that it isn't really a useful retrospective but didn't come out recently and that people aren't still talking about, you know? Yeah. Like, Which film? Uh, it, was, it was about a character in Magic Mike. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Hang on. I submitted it for my house conspiracy application. It was one of my supporting things. I don't know if anyone... I didn't read your application yeah. because I know you. Yeah. Um, because, <laughs> full disclosure, we go to university together. Yeah. Um, so I didn't read your application, so I haven't read that, that essay, actually. Yeah. But no. I love Magic Mike, so I think I will. Well, yeah, it was about a character called Nora who is the, uh, you know, the one that the kid ends up with, the one mm -hmm. with the hair? Yeah. The one with the hair? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What? I mean, all, all the men in Magic Mike are hairless. Yeah, so he was a woman. No, she, um, she was just... I'm really obsessed with, um, with, with some different female archetypal characters. I've written about femme fatales before in a lot of detail in, like, a previous zine, but she was this really interesting character where she was kind of a manic pixie dream girl and how she was executed, but she functioned really differently. Mm. So the article was trying to tease that out, but, yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> Do you, are you going to keep working on it? I guess. <laughs> I'm going to use it for an assignment. Yeah. Because, like, you know, cannibalize whatever you've got for assignments until they literally tell you to stop. Yeah, and they won't. No, they won't. Because they have too many to mark. <laughs> they will never know. No, so I'm going to submit it for a, an assignment in one of my subjects where um, the person you're partnered with assesses your oh, thing. editing and Editing the manuscript, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that might help. Hey, that'll be useful. Maybe, yeah. maybe get a good partner. 
Yeah, no, I did. She's cool. Yeah, it worked. Hey, DJ, if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to. You've given a shout-out. Yeah. So one of House Conspiracy's first ever shout-outs. Yeah. <laughs> usually, we, usually we just throw subliminals at people we don't like. <laughs> no. We're the Drake of Brisbane podcast. Only positive. <laughs> Only love reacts on this podcast. Only love reacts. Oh, man. Um, so... What are you doing during a residency? What are you doing at the moment? Yeah, oh man. I, I was just like quickly rereading something that's relevant so I would be connected to it because I haven't been here as much as I'd hoped. And I was a little bit panicky coming to this podcast because I kind of like, so I, I have been researching and reading a lot and thinking a lot about a, a, a figure of like 1920s Sydney Bohemia called Anne Brennan. And... I am planning to, I was going to write an essay about it. That's probably what I'll still do. Basically, I've arrived with like a suitcase full of research and scrawled notes and now I have to turn it into something. And I spent the entire week thinking about that and trying to figure it out. Oh, sorry. I thought you made like a worried look at the microphone. I was like, cool. <laughs> Once again, Tyler tempts me to fire him. <laughs> it's okay. This is a, it's a running joke. It's fine. It's true. The only person who benefits from this joke is me. <laughs> um, yeah. I, so, have you found yourself sort of here less just because university and life and? Yes. No. It's got nothing to do with here. Uh, it's yeah, <laughs> like it's a, slightly. Subjectively, a very nice house. Yeah, it's delightful. It's slightly unfortunate timing, which is my fault. Um, just because I'm taking this undergraduate. Undergraduate. First year is what I mean. They're all undergraduate. I'm taking this first year drama class as a collective called Understanding Theatre. Oh, yeah. And tomorrow we have a, like a, um, like a script holding performance. Like Like, a reading. Yeah. But it's, you kind of like walk around and, but Mm -hmm. you can have your script. And I've been making the PowerPoint all day. Um, (laughs) so this has been a lot of stuff and work and yeah. Uh, which sucks because I really I, I think I've been here less than I've hoped because I really just want to purely work on the thing I'm here to work on when I'm here so I've just been trying to be if I have to do something else I've been trying to go somewhere else I don't know how useful that is yeah no I think delineating space is actually super important that's like, good because I, I worry it's like a like a romantic notion that's getting me nowhere sometimes I have those no I do it I have things I do on my deck I have things I do in this room mm. um, where we're recording now which is the communal area I, there are things that I go to QUT and yeah do. I love going to QUT and doing stuff oh, Z9 Z9 is such a yeah. hero of a building how cool is it they have a building now there's microwaves you can use yeah, well, local geography conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the Z9 Level 3 microwave. Yeah, whoa, what a good microwave. Really powered well. Lots of watts. <laughs> yeah, so many watts. So good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rebecca Cheers, where can people follow your residency where you put two photos on Instagram? Where is that? What's your Instagram? Oh, uh, um, it, it? yeah, it's it's editrix underscore kiddo, which is a really dumb Kill Bill joke. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, um, I just couldn't keep using the Bex Express, <laughs> which is specifically, I was once a, a uh, like a thread-specific moderator on the internet's <laughs> largest Zelda fan forum <gasps> when I was in high school, and there was an April Fool's where we... Uh, pretended that the site was about trains for a day. <laughs> so we changed everybody's 
everybody Is this the Spirit Tracks? Uh, <laughs> no, it was before then, I think. Wow. Yeah. Um, they were always really lame. Like, when I, I used to go on the IRC chat, then they tried to pretend that it was about Zelda Fitzgerald, and then anyone who came into the chat would get yelled at unless they would talk about Zelda Fitzgerald. It was a really bizarre time. <laughs> but the Bex Express was my train username. Right. And I still and use it for everything. <laughs> Because it's less embarrassing than any other handle I've ever used. I think before that there was the name for DDR song. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know DDR had song names. I thought you just kind of got on there and went at it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, there are songs. Absolutely. No. Oh, man. Really just... um, we were just talking about Breath of the Wild before you came in. Breath... Is that the new Zelda? Zelda game? Oh, my God. Have Look, you portrayed your Zelda roots? The... <laughs> <laughs> the shocking secret. The, sh- the shocking secret of me. I'd really barely played Zelda. I was moderating the music forum, so I was like breaking up fights about the Beatles. Like one girl would be like, "You're the Beatles, suck the super overrated." And one girl would be like, "You're the best band of all time," and I would tell them to cool it. Like that was my job. Why was this happening on a Zelda forum? <laughs> it was a really big Zelda forum. I-, I was poorly socialized in high school, so I mostly hung out on the internet. Um, yeah. And my friend. Charlotte, who lives in Perth, who we've already talked about. Um, yeah, I just followed her onto that forum and made lots of internet friends. But nobody really ever talked about Zelda. It was like, so there were, there was like a general discussion board where all the cool kids hung out. And then there was the actual Zelda boards and they were just like 13 year olds who, whose like shift key was broken. Yeah, it was wild in there. And <laughs> so... <laughs> God so damn it. I, I got away with it. We'd so easily, we'd so almost landed this podcast. <laughs> I think the only Zelda game I really played was what was the one on the DS? The shit one on the oh, DS. Was it the was, ship? It, no, it was, um, it was the Phantom of an Hourglass. That was a good game. Well, you had to keep going back to that temple over and over. I yeah. There yeah, was a lot of going backwards and forth. But I finished it. So yeah, you too can be a moderator on the... Hey, actually, you know what? That's true for me site. too. I haven't finished another Zelda game. It's the only one. I was truly a representative of a generation, yeah. It was really... Oh my god. All right, how do we... How do we... How do we... How do we yeah. We're going to land this on a... Yeah, you can follow Rebecca Cheers at... Uh, oh yeah, so Instagram, editrix underscore kiddo. Hey, I have a Facebook page. Yeah, you do. It's called Rebecca, Rebecca Cheers. Cheers. You can go like that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I use it sparingly. Can we have a Facebook war between uh, Rebecca Cheers' Facebook page and the Jonathan O'Brien Does Things page? I mean, I guess. Cool. I'm sure Facebook wars <laughs> I mean, work if, as well as Twitter wars. Try not to reveal publicly my the shameful truth of my Zelda fandom. That'd be great. Mate, that'd that's, be too low. That's all on here. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, we don't just keep this. Uh, we've got yeah. You definitely got all the all the dirt now. All the dirt. Everything. Everything is transparent now. Mm. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. It's been nice. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the House Conspiracy podcast recorded at House Conspiracy and produced by me, Jonathan O'Brien, and Tyler William Morrison. If you have feedback or you want to say hi, if there's something you'd like to see us do, you can email us at house at houseconspiracy.org and you can email me directly about ideas for future podcasts at jonathan at houseconspiracy.org. You can also support us by becoming a member or by donating to us at houseconspiracy.org slash donate. See you next time.